Hey, thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. To unlock the extended bonus conversation, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Matt, tell me something. I've got two things to tell you. Okay. Which one do you want first? Do you want do you want the one that has to do with you with you, or do you want do you want a, a one to that has to do with a, a celebrity? Uh, let's go celebrity first. Okay. So as you know, about a week ago, I was uh, in Armenia with my very close personal friend, Kim Kardashian. (laughs) And she was talking uh, in an interview on stage about something. And she said something that totally blew me away. And I know you don't know it. She was talking about her story. And she said, I knew when I was 11 years old that I wanted to be a reality TV star. How crazy is that? What reality TV existed when she, cause she's our age, I believe. So what, yeah, I mean, what reality TV was there when we were 11? Like that was the real world. That's it. Okay. On it. Okay. And she mentioned that too. Uh, the real world on MTV, which, uh, I think still happens. I think that is still on, but <sighs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about it in, in a few years, but, uh, it was crazy uh, to think that there was basically one reality TV show. She must've been in fifth grade. Is that when you're 11, that's about fifth grade, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. 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 So give or take, you know, plus or minus. Um, and I don't know how old she was when, when the OJ trial was happening, um, but that was, you know, her father was involved in that. Oh, um, that's right. I mean, that was probably you know, a little was, bit before that. Cause that was pretty early. Yeah. Early I think that 90s. was like 93. Okay. Yeah, like 92, three, four, something like that. So anyway, all of this is popping into my head, like combining. And I'm thinking, uh, what was this, what was going through this 11 year old's mind where she's seeing the real world on MTV and then the OJ craziness, which she has a prime seat in the center of, and she comes out of it thinking, I want to do reality TV at 11. I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, you, you always say, I, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a baseball player. I know that today it's, I want to be a YouTuber. There've been several surveys that have come out over the years that say like, that's the number one thing kids say they want to be a YouTuber. That's fascinating. I mean, she achieved her dream. So I mean, she did it. She became a reality TV host. I mean, I can't imagine wanting to do that, but you know, I'm not Kim Kardashian 
in many, many ways. So that's okay. The foresight on that. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like somebody saying, I want to be a YouTuber now. Well, YouTube has existed for 10 years. Like that's not crazy. Where if somebody wanted to be on reality TV now, okay, it's extremely well established. Um, but thinking about somebody in the early nineties, it kind of designing their life's path around something that, that doesn't really exist yet. Uh, that was nuts to me. And I, I hadn't heard her say anything about that in the past, but we've, you know, we've, uh, talked in the past about, about kids wanting to be YouTubers and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is such an early example of somebody latching on to that emerging thing. I, I was blown away by it. When you think about it, when that came out, Kim Kardashian and her ilk must have thought a very similar thing that people think today in terms of, hey, I could do this. Like, I don't need yeah. to be an actor. I don't need to go to school for this. These are just normal people yeah. and they get to be on TV. Wow. That seems like a really achievable goal for me. And YouTube is a very similar thing where it's like there aren't gatekeepers. You don't have to know somebody to upload a video. You just have to have, you know, the means to do so in terms of the equipment and an internet connection. And it is very similar. And for her, like growing up in Hollywood or whatever, and, you know, it must have seemed like a really attainable goal for her because she must know a million people in that industry. So it makes yeah, sense. Given, it yeah. makes sense. Given her pedigree on on both sides, I mean, extremely well-connected. What was the thing about me? Um, the thing about you is first, did you, did you get me anything? I mean, did you, did you buy me a gift? No. Was I supposed to? Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, we had a phone call with, with Dave this morning. And if this had been on your radar, I know that you would have mentioned something about it and you didn't. So means I have to point out that tomorrow is the Create Unknown's first birthday. Oh, wow. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. This yeah, I looked up uh, the video. So I knew it was October, right? And I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, what portion of October was it? Uh, and so I looked back at the videos, October 25th. Wow. Well, uh, happy birthday to you and and me and, and all of our <laughs> listeners who have been with us since day one. Uh, that's a, that is a milestone for sure. Yep. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a lot of episodes. Life is good. Uh, and speaking of birthdays and, and babies, uh, we've got some baby stories for everybody. Uh, we sent out uh, the baby gang, got their babies. Everybody has... Uh, everybody has their personalized baby with, with an origin story and those are good origin stories. So for example, uh, Isaac uh, has adopted a baby named Scoop Magoop and uh, Scoop Magoop wanted to go to California. He had an interest in gold panning, uh, but his real interest was in escape rooms. And so Isaac is, uh, an excellent adoptive parent for uh, a baby with that skill set and, and series of interests. Um, but, uh, we, we want to make every baby's origin story, uh, available 
for everybody to read. So we can put those up on Patreon. It won't be locked. Uh, those will be open for everybody. So go to the Patreon link, uh, which is in the description and in just follow, you can follow along on the Patreon without uh, subscribing. Um, subscribing is a superior option, I'd say. Uh, but, uh, just follow and, uh, the public posts like those baby origin stories, um, and some other stuff, uh, those will roll in. And now that the podcast is one years old, does that mean we can start crawling? Do we start saying like mama, dad, dad? Like what do you, what, what is the developmental process of a one year old? <laughs> well, I don't know. We seem to be ahead of, ahead of, uh, uh what I, I think a doctor would expect uh, from, from a baby or a pediatrician would expect from a baby. I mean, the switch from formula to soft foods like sardines happened last week. <laughs> Uh, I, I ate the I rest of those sardines, by the way. I ate the whole can. You ate the whole tin? Yeah. I mean, it was open. I don't know how long sardines keep once they're open. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I don't want to throw these away. So I got some saltines and I ate the rest of the can for lunch. That happened. Did you give any to the cat? I mean- No. No, I don't. I, I don't feed weird things to our pets. Yeah. So- it's not weird. I mean, you've seen Heathcliff where he goes in the back alley and pulls a fish out of the garbage and like, you know, like vertically strips it and the bones are left. I have seen that. I've also seen like the coyote put on rocket skates and, you know, like fly across <laughs> <laughs> the desert to try to catch a roadrunner. That doesn't mean that in real life you should do that to a coyote. So I don't want to deal well, with my pets having diarrhea. Bigger all over the house. <laughs> <laughs> so they eat like very consistent food. Look, let's get into the, <laughs> the topic of the day is yes, what just recently happened with Vsauce 2, which is the, the launch of t-shirts and hoodies as well and a yep. poster. But really t-shirts mm -hmm. was the focus with this. And I'd never done merch before in the history of the channel because mm -hmm. I never felt like I had a good idea for it. I'm not really big mm -hmm. into, I personally am not really big into just putting like logos on shirts. Mm -hmm. e even if it's like a band or a sports team that I like, like I don't want a shirt that's just their logo. I find it boring, honestly. It's just not yeah. very interesting. I like original artwork. I like, I'm a huge fan of art. Like that's pretty much what I do on Instagram is I follow artists just because I like illustrations and artwork. So when this opportunity came along through represent where they were, they were really open about like, what do you want to do? They weren't like, Hey, we want to just mm -hmm. drag and drop some like pictures of you or, you know, your logo onto some shirts and throw it onto whatever old garment we have, like laying in the back of the factory. They were very like, what we want to develop, whatever you have in mind. And that mm -hmm. was exciting to me because I thought for the first time, like, well, it, it kind of put me in a position, I should say, to think about it. Like I wasn't really thinking about it on my own, but sometimes <laughs> in life and in like creative endeavor, you sort of need somebody else to come in and say, and like poke you and say, Hey, yeah, I want something out of you, creative person. Like, what do you have? And that, that was really how 
that was really the genesis of this this merch with Represent. So Represent is a company that goes to uh, people who have sizable presences like like PewDiePie. Uh, he works with Represent to do all of his merch for the 100 Mill Club. Uh, they have their roster is amazing. Who else do you remember on there? Oh, well, they have done a lot of not just YouTubers. It seems like they have done more celebrities actually than YouTubers. Yeah. Like Leonardo DiCaprio. A lot of it has been kind of um, charity focused. So, oh. you know, it would be to raise awareness about some cause that a celebrity has. Like Kobe Bryant has been on Represent. So it's it seemed yeah. it's been like like A-list celebrities doing limited runs of T-shirts to to support some sort mm -hmm. of cause that they have. But it seems like now they're also pivoting a bit into doing stores. They've been – PewDiePie has had a store there for a while. But it seems like mm -hmm. uh, Captain Sparkles is on there now. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see yeah, you so, know, who else. Yeah, they're a pretty solid operation uh, when it comes to those things. But uh, most of the time – most of the time when, when there's a merch opportunity, well, like, you know, you're providing your own designs. They're really a company that prints and fulfills and represent, uh, seem to do quite a bit more than that. Right. They were, they seem to work with you pretty closely to develop the idea, uh, to help you develop an idea around the collection of merch. So it wasn't like a couple cool designs. You started to think about, uh, a whole collection, right? Well, that's what I wanted to do. You know, like I said before, I didn't necessarily want to have Vsauce 2 merch. I kind of wanted to have almost a new brand, like almost a new idea, you know, and that's what Woven Math ended up turning into. So that's the that's the name of the store is Woven Math. And, and the, the idea is that the options for math-inspired T-shirts – are there, but they're not, yeah. they're not really my style per se, I think is a good way to put it. They're not really shirts that I, that I personally would be excited to wear. They, they are very punny, which I look, I love puns. I'm the first person to put, you know, puns in things. But when it comes to t-shirts, I think puns are, the reason that puns are funny is because they're funny for a split second it tickles your brain a little bit, but then yeah. it's over. <laughs> and putting to me, like putting a pun on a t-shirt, it's like, all right, I get it. And now I, like I'm over uh, it. <laughs> I think I think you're being too kind on the population of of math garments out there, right? Um I think that they exist almost exclusively on on a continuum between suck and blow. <laughs> okay. Like, because I, I like a million different math pages and, and science pages on Facebook. Okay. So I get the ads for all the shirts, right? Like this morning I got an ad, uh, that was like, uh, Oh, mathmas tree because you know, Christmas is coming up. It was a Christmas tree with uh, like math symbols on it as ornaments. Uh, that's indicative of what I'm constantly seeing on websites and uh, social media and stuff like that. Uh, so you look at it, you're like, 
okay, that's funny for uh, a fraction of a split second. Uh, and then I've got this, I've got this Christmas tree with like pie all over it, you know, like Euler's number. Like it just, it, it's, I wouldn't be proud of wearing that. To me, you know, it, it, it seems like, it seems like people who don't really like math mm-hmm. or don't understand <laughs> math, but they have this t-shirt company decide, hey, there's this whole market of people who love math out there. So let's make mm-hmm. some math t-shirts. Oh, what is math? Let me uh, Google it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, addition and subtraction yeah. and division and pi. So let's just mm-hmm. kind of like cram some of those symbols or make up some pie puns. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like I love pie puns. Again, like I said, I like puns. Uh, but I felt like there was definitely an opportunity to do something that was different than that, that was more sophisticated than that, that was more subtle than that. That yeah. you know, there are a lot of designs that could be inspired by math that mm-hmm. aren't that don't smash you over the face with what it is. You know, like the other mm-hmm. one I was thinking of, again, is clever. It's 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 a glass half full. So somebody thought like, oh, the glass is half full or is it half empty? That's a really well-known concept. Well, mathematically, it's always full because half of it is full of air and the other half is full of liquid, right? Uh, and and okay. that's it. That's like the shirt. And, and it's like, well. Oh, that's it? You just told me the punchline and that was it? That's the punchline, that the other half is full of air. I hate this. I hate this shirt. I don't want anything to do with this, with this shirt. I, I just don't, I, I, I get what you're saying where like, it can be fun, uh, in yeah, like a quick snap, I guess. But, uh, you know, when you think of all the really awesome shirts that are out there, whether it's, uh, I mean, well, you wear a lot of them that, that, uh, people on YouTube have made really good designs that have some depth, whether it's like a, a callback to uh, a really big video somebody had or a running gag or something that they've made this cool design with. And we've talked in the past about guys like nerd city who put a lot of effort into uh, both their designs and the quality of the garment and all of that. Like it's totally possible to put that care and attention to detail into something that has to do with math and science, just because, uh, you know, you're dealing with numbers doesn't mean that the design in the production has to be, uh, you know, has to be underwhelming. Right. So I was pretty much on the outside of this process. And so it was neat to get the updates from you about, uh, about working with represent. And it was, it was awesome when they said, uh, you know, let's, let's do a a thing here, uh, where you can come up with, these really good designs, where do you want to start? And how did you decide? Well, actually, first of all, just if you can go over uh, where you did start, and I was going to ask, how'd you decide on, on those two things? Well, first, while you were talking, I discovered the problem that I have with these shirts. Okay. This is just one. There's only one problem. Yeah, I actually think, I think so. I think that it can be distilled into (laughs) one problem. (laughs) And that is treating math as a joke. Oh, yeah. All of the shirts that we're talking about, it's not that I don't Mm -hmm. like puns. It's not that I don't like 
clever jokes. It's just the fact that it's treated as a joke. And it seems yeah. like all of these math shirts that exist right now, they have this idea that the only way to create a math design is to create a math joke. And that's mm. the problem that I have. Yeah. At best, at best, the designs that I've seen have been what I would just call goofy, where they they really kind of are self-deprecating almost. You know, they they make fun of themselves. It's like, eh, this this works because I'm doing the pun or I'm I'm doing some kind of semi-idiotic, but maybe a little bit charming use of uh, whatever the math thing is. You know, Pi is a great example. Like, they, because there are, are some actually good uh, designs having to do with Pi because of the crossover with actual, you know, Pi you eat. Like, that makes, that makes for good designs. The rest of math, not so much. You know, like, I, I am thinking off the top of my head. The only thing that I think would be awesome is like an Edmonton Oilers jersey, but with, with Euler, like E-U-L-E-R, like Euler's number. Yeah. You know, so yeah, this crossover with like a hockey jersey and a mathematician, the subset of people who would be into that is like four. <laughs> four Canadians. <laughs> four Canadian nerds, you know? <laughs> I can imagine the conversation with the company. They're like, okay, well, we got to do the breakdown to figure out how many sizes, you know, how many, what quantity in each size. That's always a hard thing. And I'd just be like, well, I don't know. Let me call, uh, let me call the four of them and ask what size they want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but, but they, you're right though about that that goofiness that that kind of making fun of it a bit and it's never it's never serious there's no dignity in math designs. That's that's how I feel about it is that the designs you came up with are like aesthetically dignified. Yeah, the word I kept coming to which is not a a really <laughs> you know refined word is just cool. Like, and that's such a mm. subjective thing. And, and that's kind of where I started with represent was that I, I showed them and I wish that at that, we should have had this conversation at the beginning. So I could have understood better that the joke thing is what I did. I wanted to avoid. Cause it's not like, I don't like yeah. jokes. Look, if you watch my videos or you'd like knew how I got into YouTube to begin with, I love jokes. I love comedy. Most of the people that I watch on YouTube are comedians, but I didn't like the landscape of math being treated only as a joke. I felt mm -hmm. as though there's, there are plenty of ways to make like math is cool and interesting and nobody was really displaying that at all. So yeah. That was where I started with represent was when, you know, they approached me, they're like, and they were like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to make cool math shirts. I want to make serious math shirts. I want to make math shirts that aren't making fun of math because right. like, I, okay, I don't understand the mindset where math is, has to be like you said, goofy. It's like math is really serious. It undergirds our modern world in every capacity, top to bottom. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of important to get the math right, like on an airplane, 
so that it doesn't On crash. It, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like it's si- yeah. kind of a serious thing. So let's take it seriously and let's infuse kind of really cool designs. My my first and we had we hit it with the we hit it with the poster, but my first influence were things like fantasy and sci-fi because that's what I'm really into. The artists that I follow mostly paint and illustrate like mm-hmm. sci-fi, dystopian or, or like 70s fantasy I'm really into like Frank Frazetta sort of stuff, Mobius, um Philippe Drulet. I don't, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But we hit that with the poster. So the poster of Achilles and the Tortoise is this kind of like 70s fantasy reimagination of that paradox because it's like look we have this paradox of achilles going up against this tortoise why don't we think about it in a way where like achilles who is an ancient legendary heroic warrior is going again going up against this mythical tortoise that he can't seem to catch up to in you know this 2000 year old paradox which took well, more than 2,000 years. It took 2,000 years for math, math to catch up to figuring it out. Like that's a mind-blowing, mm-hmm. amazing thing in human evolution or the evolution of, of math and understanding the world around us. I don't know. Maybe we can create like a really cool epic design to represent that. No pun intended with represent. Yeah, you you mentioned something about how you kept thinking. Uh, I want this to be cool. Um, and when when you were talking to me about it weeks ago, you were saying I want these designs to be standalone good. So, like uh, the shirt that you have on, which if you're listening on the audio feed, you'll have to click uh, the links in the description uh, so you can see what some of these designs are. If you're watching on the video feed. Um, you can see that it's a really well-designed, aesthetically pleasing uh, shirt. Yeah, I'll right? stand up. In terms of, yes, in terms of the colors, in terms of uh, the concept, like even if you didn't know at all what was happening on that shirt and what it referred to, that's a cool shirt. Like that's something that I would have no problem putting on and wearing just because it looks good. So here's my question. You had this... Um, you had a really difficult task that you set for yourself, which is how do I make something like math cool? And you did it. How'd you do that? How did you reconcile these things to make the least cool thing on the planet uh, really visually awesome? Well, I think that the reason that we that we all believe that math is the least cool thing on the planet is that nobody has taken the time to represent it in a serious and and cool manner and that that was kind of where i felt like here's an opportunity to do something that i don't feel has been done justice which mm-hmm. is i mean look at what we've been doing on vsauce 2 for a couple of years now is exactly that is taking is pouring over like old math texts and 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 old math articles and research papers and then sort of reimagining it as a more modern compelling 
scenario, mm-hmm. such as the the most recent video with the cards, with Penny's game, which then turned into the humble Nishiyama randomness game. That's just flipping a coin to begin with, or it's just, you know, humble Nishiyama turned it into flipping cards. But, mm. you know, if you just read about that, you think, okay, that's pretty interesting. When I read about it, I thought, okay, well, what could the deck of cards be that would in it of itself be entertaining so that as I'm flipping cards, you're looking at cards. It's not just a standard deck of bicycle cards that everyone has seen a million times. What if the cards were memes? Because I think I think I can get you know 52 good memes out of that that everybody would recognize. And then this way, every time I pull a card, you you get to you get to be surprised by what's on it, regardless of learning the game itself. So you're going to learn the game. We're going to talk about it. But along the way, you are kind of consistently surprised with some entertaining element of it. And that could be considered silly. And I, I understand that. I, I, I could see how some people could see that. I could see a Vsauce 2 version of Penny's game compared to Number Files version of Penny's game and say, mm-hmm. hey, you're not taking this seriously. And like number file is like, they take it seriously. They just go straight to the math. They don't add all of this pomp and circumstance and pageantry that you do. And I totally get that. And I respect that criticism. I think there, there's a reason that all, well, I think there's a place for both <laughs> is my, yeah. is where yeah, I'm coming is. from on that is there is a place for both. And maybe in an audience for both. But the whole thing with Vsauce 2 to me is kind of thinking about hard math and recreational math through a lens of artistry. And for the first time doing that with t-shirts instead of videos. How did you decide on on which designs to start with because again if you're if you're just listening check these out in the description uh but uh, there are two designs on the vsauce to uh store with represent now and kevin's wearing one of them which is achilles versus uh, the tortoise uh the other one is is the pizza theorem uh, a, a really cool design that's based off of the thumbnail for that video the way the pizza is uh cut up with uh the capital and lowercase letters to show uh, to show the equal portions, uh, between two players, no matter where you make the first cut on that pizza. Um, it's an awesome design. It's really good, but there are a lot of videos that, that could inspire designs based on what you just said, where you take this fresh approach and turn, uh, this surprising thing where this cool topic into a visual representation that is standalone cool. So it uh, was that their suggestion to start with these, or did you have the ideas and, and why'd you start here? That, yeah, no, they didn't have any suggestions. They were very open to working with whatever I wanted to put together. And the pizza theorem was honestly the first thing that I thought of because that's a visual proof. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole beauty of that is that it is 
a visual math proof. Mm -hmm. So that seemed like a no brainer to me because first of all, it's pizza. <laughs> Everybody yeah. pretty much uh, likes pizza. And visually, it looks like a really weird way to cut up pizza because it is. I mean, that's the point is that you can cut up this pizza not across the diameter. You can you know, start it kind of anywhere on the circle and end up dividing it equally, even if it looks really strange. And a lot of the slices are really weird looking. And that was the first place that I, I went to with the t-shirt designs because I just thought, I want that on a shirt. And that's really where I start with all of this stuff. I mean, when I start with a video, a video has to be, I want to watch this video or else I'm not going to make it. <laughs> that might sound weird, but unless I want to see the thing, why bother? So, mm -hmm. because I'm the one who has to put it together. So obviously I want to see what it's like. And it's the same thing with the shirts. It's like, well, I want to wear this shirt. So hopefully other people do too. I, I think they might. And we went over a couple of different versions of, of the, the pizza theorem shirt where like some of the letters were colored in and that sort of thing. But I actually liked just having it monochrome. It seemed more subtle and I don't know. I just feel like at the end of the day, I want these shirts to be something that people pull out of the drawer whenever it's clean first, because I have a lot, I have a lot of t-shirts, a lot of t-shirts and guess what? There are a lot of shirts that are kind of at the bottom of the list of, unless everything else is dirty, I'm not putting that thing on, whether it's because the cut is weird or it's really hard and like, you know, it's like sandpaper to put, to wear the thing or <laughs> like the ink is really thick and is like chafing me. Yeah. Like there are a lot of reasons to not wear a shirt. And I wanted to make sure I gave people every reason to want to wear the shirt first. That, that was the next step uh, because as you're working out these designs with them and coming up with the artwork and making the tweaks because it takes, you know, 17 rounds of, uh, 17 rounds of, of working out those details. Then you've got the second part, which is the actual garment that it's going on. I mean, did you have options for that? Did you have, uh, was there just one thing, uh, that it was like, okay, you've got X number of colors and it's going to be on this, this one shirt, or did you have a say in choosing the actual garment? No, I had a say. Well, I made sure that I had a say. If I didn't have a say and they were just going to print it on the cheapest garment available, I wouldn't have moved forward with the project. Because part of the reason that part of the reason that we I guess we haven't done our create unknown t-shirts yet, even though we have two designs, is that you and I are both really particular about the garments. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The nice garments are more expensive than the cheap ones. They're really expensive. They're really <laughs> expensive, unless you're making like 50,000 of them. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. more expensive. You have to work with very specific companies that will even bother mm -hmm. with them. Because guess what? A lot of companies don't even bother because they don't care. They don't care what their customers are wearing. They don't care what, what no. kind of plastisol ink they're 
dropping on these shirts. They just want to get them out mm-hmm. the out the out the door. And that doesn't appeal to me. I don't work that way. I want mm-hmm. to make sure that it is the nicest thing available. And that's that was the process with Represent. I, I flat out was like, I want the nicest shirt that you will print on. I want the nicest hoodies that you will print on. And before I even sign a contract or say yes to any of this, I want you to send me those samples because I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm not going to take your word for it. I want to feel them and I want to wear them myself because it's a subjective thing. You could say this is really nice and then I get it and I hate it. So that <laughs> that's what I did. I was like, you need to send me samples just so I can even approve what these shirts are. And I went through that process and I was really happy. It turned out that a couple of my favorite shirts that I that I wear that aren't, you know, these shirts were the same exact garment, were the same exact blend, and were the same exact type of shirt. So when I received these, I was like, oh, I already know that I love these shirts because they're kind of stretchy. They're not, mm-hmm. they're really soft, but they're kind of stretchy. And um, I don't know, like the way that they're cut. You know what? I hate boxy shirts. I'm not going to call yeah. anybody out, but there was a company, there's a pretty well-known company whose shirts that I s- saw a few months ago in person for the first time. Oh my gosh. They were the exact opposite of this and exact opposite of any type of shirt I would wear. They, it was like a square. <laughs> it was like a hard square. <laughs> it was like wearing yeah. a square canvas. Like I would never wear that shirt. When you when you started talking about that garment, uh, that particular garment, and you selected it, you got the samples. Uh, you talked to me about it, uh, and it, like this is the level of what goes into it. So there's, are you happy with it? Like, how does that how does that work? We put an, another layer of of checking, uh, like basically to get a second and a third second and third opinion. I um, I bought. Two, two of those, one for me and one uh, for Mora, so that like we could get a girl's opinion on uh, wearing this shirt as well. We just bought blanks from this company on that model so that we would know what the cotton felt like. Uh, and <laughs> when, it, when it came in the mail, I was like, I, I hadn't told Mora about it. And I was like, oh, uh, well, this, this package is for you and you have to wear this for four days straight. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, it was on, I think it was on Friday. Um, and it was right before we left for uh, the Italy trip. It's like, can you, can you just wear this all weekend? And then a day or two after that and, and then tell Kevin what you think. I'll do the same thing. Um, but it was, it's just good to have another body testing the thing out. And I think it was a hundred percent across the board that this was extremely soft. It does have a little bit of stretch in a good way. Uh, it's, it feels very much like, uh, like the nice, nice tri-blend shirts. Um, like it's super comfortable. So that's important though, uh, that, that you really feel the thing and live in the thing so that you know, what it's going to be like when somebody gets it. Are they going to be excited uh, to wear this every time it's clean? Are they going to wear it when it's not clean just because it's so awesome that it's better dirty than other shirts are clean? Um, 
but that's a good thing. And you do all of those before you pull the trigger on production and making that happen. Uh, so that was, that was a big part. And then, um, there's the uh, pricing issue. I mean, when you, when you tell them, I want the best shirt you can print on, I want the best hoodie you can print on, uh, the price has to go up, right? I mean, what did they say to that? Yeah, the price goes up. So then they ask you the way that it works. I'll just tell you like very straightforward, the price goes up. And then they ask you if you want to then increase the sale price to make up for that dis- that difference in, in price so that your margin okay. is the same. And I told them no. I was like, I don't want these to be super expensive. I want them to be super nice because I want them to be super nice. But I don't necessarily really want customers to have to pay for that for my idiosyncrasies or like my perfectionism Mm -hmm. just because I'm crazy about what type of (laughs) garment or what type of t-shirt this is. I don't necessarily feel right making the customer pay for that because quite honestly, I don't know if I'm just crazy about this. I don't know. Like I don't know how many people feel this way about the different shirts that they have. I would love to know, you know, in the comments or in the discord, if people get this kind of nuanced about, well, you know, mm-hmm. I never wear this shirt because it's really hard and, and, and I hate the, the ink. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm like overly sensitive or what, but, or if people just don't even think about it, if they're just like, yeah, I just throw it on and a shirt's a shirt. Well, if a shirt's a shirt, then I don't want somebody to pay an extra $2 because like I'm a crazy person <laughs> about getting like, you know, luxury t-shirts. <laughs> Even so, well, number one, I think, I think what you just described is, is one of uh, the few universal truths. I think everybody is a freak about t-shirts. Really? Everybody wants, I think so. I think so. I am. I mean, I have, so I have a, a rack that's probably six feet long and my t-shirts are on it ordered in rainbow coloring. Okay. So it goes like, there's this, uh, total, uh, like continuum of colors with all, all the t-shirts, uh, within that, I know which ones are really soft and what, uh, the, the go-tos are. Um, that's, I don't know how many are on that rack, but it's gotta be probably, um, it's got a, it's probably 125 because I'm thinking between 100 and 150 uh, of all the colors. And I bet, I bet there, I know actually that there are probably 15 that I really like to wear and wear a lot. And I know that because I know what I pack when I go places. You can only bring so many shirts. Like that's how you rank your t-shirts, okay? Go on a trip and then see what you consistently decide to put in your suitcase. And whatever that is, like those are your top five, your top 10, whatever it is, right? Um, so I'm extremely aware of what those qualities are. Um, and I like I like soft and light. Uh, one of my favorites is one that I picked up for 25 cents uh, at, at a Salvation Army type store in Boston in the summer of... of uh, 2001, 2002, summer of 2002. Um, 
really good quarter. Uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of value out of that quarter I spent there. Well, what is it? Is it? Um, it What's says it? Uh, Boston. It, it was a concert shirt from a thing at uh, the Paradise, and if anybody knows uh, Boston, the Paradise Rock Club is uh, on Commonwealth Ave, uh, and they host shows. You know, it's like a smallish venue um, where Boston becomes Alston on on the Green Line on the B train, and so yeah, the Paradise has been there a long time, and it says Boston rocks against drugs, uh, and on the back something about, you know, the, the paradise and the event. It's just a black t-shirt with white letters, but like I could read a book through it. It's so thin now that you truly can see all the way through this black shirt. So <laughs> it's on its way out, but, but that's one where, especially when I go to hot places, like I, I wore it, uh, I packed it for Armenia because I knew it was going to be like 38,000 biblical degrees in Armenia. Uh, so I took the lightest shirt ever. Well, that's in my top five until it completely disintegrates. Uh, that's important. And I, I, I put a lot of thought into what shirts I wear and bring and, and don't. Uh, I think that's pretty common. And if somebody told me they didn't, um, I wouldn't believe them. I mean, I'm so convinced here that I, I think they would just <laughs> flat out be lying. Yeah, but but I want to raise a little bit of a contention here because I, here I am thinking that I'm crazy about my t-shirts. And meanwhile, you are like color coding them and hanging them on hangers. <laughs> and that's like 10 <laughs> times crazier than me. So I oh. really genuinely want to hear from the audience on this one how seriously you take your t-shirts, how seriously you think about your rotation of shirts because I yeah. love, I love the packing for a trip litmus test. That's perfect. That is a perfect litmus test of these are, yeah. you know, the five shirts. These are my, these are the five shirts that I'm going to bring with me on my trip. Like those are your shirts. That's, that's your top yeah. five. And, and I would love to hear from people what makes them decide that, whether it's what's on it how comfortable they are or some combination of the two. Cause for me, it is some combination of the two. It's, you know, what, what, what's on the shirt, mm -hmm. but also how comfortable it is. Cause believe me, there are a lot of shirts that I have where the print is really cool or it represents something that I really like, like a band, yeah. but the garment is just like wearing sandpaper and <laughs> it's like the last thing. It's not in my top five. It can't be because of that. So I hope that this is a, is a nice insight into the amount of detail that can go, that mm -hmm. can go into this. I don't know yeah. how, at what level of detail a lot of other creators go into mm -hmm. when creating t-shirts or creating merch. I think it probably varies wildly, but this was the only way that I wanted to do it. And I saw Casey Neistat recently was on the H3 podcast and he had mentioned something about how he regrets not doing merch a long time ago because he felt too precious about it. He felt like, well, if, you know, if me, if I am going to do Casey Neistat merch, then I want it to be 
to the level of like a Teddy Fresh, to the level of like mm -hmm. its own clothing brand. And he said in that interview that he regrets that now, that he was too precious about the idea and that he probably should have just put something together for his mm -hmm. fans because they wanted it. And I found that really interesting. I found it com compelling to hear him talk about kind of his regret on that because I do think that there is wisdom in that, that we we all can get too precious about making mm. these decisions and that can be a bit crippling. And sometimes you just need to pull the trigger on things and on ideas and then kind of develop it as you go along rather than toiling over, well, unless this is the perfect thing, then I'm not going to do anything. And sometimes that's the right decision, but sometimes it can be the wrong decision. I think too, that anybody who wants to go this route wants to make a thing. And to be honest, it, it extends well beyond clothing and merch and stuff like that too. Like this is a decent mindset for a lot of creative things. Um, but going through the process that, that you just explained. So to summarize this, it was have a good, meaningful idea. You did that by creating a, a collection of designs that satisfied the things that you wanted to see. So elevating those, those math concepts, having a good aesthetic. Um, but you had a purpose, right? And then the second thing, uh, was checking a few boxes on, on quality in a way that you were happy with. Um, it, it wouldn't be necessary for everybody to have the top quality shirts. Uh, maybe that's not a fit for everybody, but it's a great fit for you and it matters to those designs. But that's the second stage. And the third stage is pretty much uh, what's the lowest price that I can give this, uh, give this to people for um, given, given the things in steps one and two. I think that's really important. And I like that you did that here because you easily could have passed on the extra costs on quality. You easily could have thrown several more, you know, another $5 on that shirt and the people who really wanted it still would have gotten it. Uh, so that's easy to do. Uh, but I think, uh, I think the right move there is uh, how can I do this in as friendly a way as possible? Um, while still making sure that I hit those first two things. So that, that quick progression, I mean, like you're saying, you can stress about this stuff endlessly making sure you get every detail right. And there are a lot of details that we didn't talk about with shirts. Like, is the brand, uh, if it's not tagless, is it an easily removable tag that somebody can pull off themselves without scissors? Or do you have to cut it? If it has to be cut, you can actually take a shirt manufacturer and pay them 80 cents a shirt, whatever it is on quantity, to remove that tag for you. Um, how many colors are you going to have? Are you going to print on the sleeves? Uh, are you going to have the little tag thing on the, the side, the hem tag on the bottom side of the shirt. Are they going to come in little bags, plastic bags? Um, or are they just going to get stuffed in and folded? When that does happen, are you going to fulfill them yourself? Or is the production company going to do that? Is it print on demand straight up? Is it reaching a threshold of orders? Um, you know, if so, when do they ship? Is shipping free? Do you do international shipping? I mean, I can go on, like, I'm probably less than half halfway to all the factors that go in. Uh, and we really glossed over how you selected 
the actual shirt because you made it easy on both representing yourself by saying, give me the very best. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> if, right. if you, if, if you did, tried to get something in the middle or a little below or a certain feel to it, which is sometimes important with certain prints and designs, um, then all of a sudden you're deciding between, you know, potentially eight or 10 different garments. But we tried to give an overview here of what, what the process is, uh, but it's deep. It runs deep. And it's very, very easy to get in the weeds on this. But if you have that that vision and satisfy the vision, then hit whatever quality you need and then have a, a price point and distribution that is as friendly as possible to the audience given your design and the quality, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Well, and to me, at the end of the day, it's not like... I'm out here e-begging to like, you know, <laughs> buy my merch or I can't pay my rent. Like, it's not about that. And, and that was another reason why I never did merch before. It's like, look, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't mean to be disparaging about that because, because a lot of people who I'm friends with, you know, they do need the sales from their merch and it helps them a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Yeah. And if you can support them through that, you get something out of your support for them and you know they get something for creating the great content that that you enjoy and it, and it's totally awesome but knowing how the business works you really have to sell a tremendous amount of merch for it to be yeah. a business and for for it to be anything kind of beyond almost giving back to your fans in a, in a lot of ways yeah. or just giving them again i i also I also just feel like it, it's really less about Vsauce 2 and more about people who like math and want to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I posted, I just, I just posted the store the other day on Facebook just for friends and family. And I had one person who I'm just an old acquaintance with who, you know, I don't talk to anymore, who apparently is a math teacher now. And I didn't even know that, who was really, really excited about the math shirts. They were like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to get one of these. I'm a math teacher and this is will be a really cool math shirt for me to wear. Mm-hmm. And another friend of mine who works in a school who like tagged a math teacher in the post that was like, you got to check these out. And that's cool. to me, that's what's really exciting about this concept is maybe you don't watch YouTube. Maybe you don't yeah. get YouTube. You, you certainly don't get Vsauce 2, and you don't want to see me like messing around with a cardboard cutout of Keanu Reeves or like a latex Yoda. That's cool. Like that's <laughs> that's fine for the people who like that. They get to like that. But I feel like with Woven Math and with this new idea for math enthusiasts and for math teachers to be able to wear a shirt that's not a joke that actually takes math seriously and shows that math can be this cool thing that to me is what's really exciting about doing this is i feel like as absolutely grandiose as it sounds it is doing something kind of for the first time at least i haven't seen it before 
that mm -hmm. I think will make people feel good. Two questions before we jump through the wormhole. The first one is, are you able to say what the next design is going to be about? Are you comfortable leaking that? Or do you even have one? Do you have one ready to go? Or Because I know you said that, that you want to build this out uh, into quite a few designs. Um, is there a third one that's in development? There is a yet. third one in development. I don't want to say what it is just in case. You never know what happens. Maybe I'll get a better idea or... Is it based on a video? It's based it on a different concept. It's based on a Vsauce 2 video, yes. Okay. That's cool. So, so the second question just scroll oh, sorry, through just scroll scroll through the uploads and uh <laughs> and let me know what your guess is. How about that? That would be cool. And the uh, the last question is you you were talking about um different forms of of kind of raising money through the channel. When do we get access to the Vsauce 2 premium Snapchat? <laughs> oh my god. Can I, can, I, can I tell you, I'm such a boomer that I don't even really know what that is. So like, I don't get Snapchat is premium. Snapchat is like you, you pay to access somebody's Snapchat. And then I'm assuming yeah. the, the reason for that is that they're naked on the other side. Is that, is that the point well, of this? I suppose there's got to be, I'm sure there are people who are not naked, but there's got to be some form of exclusive content that somebody values enough to pay to see. Uh, so I, I don't know precisely what that, you know what though, if I were like 16, um, I would, and I went to a big school, which I didn't, you didn't, but let's say like we'd gone to a school that had like 6,000 kids in it, you know, like one of those huge high schools, um, that I, I saw on TV. Um, imagine if you had a premium Snapchat for like trigonometry and you just like put the answers to every night's homework on the premium Snapchat. Oh my god! Isn't that a good idea? Is it? No, oh god. That's, I think that's horrible. I can't believe that. <laughs> like, that's like the worst idea. Is to... Well, but I was thinking like, what's a non-pornographic way to use legitimately use premium Snapchat? Cheating. Uh, Cheating and, well, and plagiarism. So still nefarious. If you <laughs> <laughs> so still okay, no so, no good reason, no like positive reason. <laughs> All right. So I guess there's no Vsauce 2 premium Snapchat in the works then. No. Let me tell you something about about my this is my Snapchat story. <laughs> a, a couple of years ago, maybe it was three years ago now, maybe it was the first curiosity box. I don't know. We sent a curiosity box to Hank Green. Okay. And Hank tweeted that he was going to be unboxing the curiosity box on his Snapchat. So right, I cool. I downloaded Snapchat, uh, Snapchat, I made an account. I found his account. I think I watched his unboxing and f beyond that I didn't understand it and I deleted it that day. It, it, so my experience with Snapchat lasted all of probably an hour. Wow. And it was about you. And it was about me. In a well, roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Not entirely you, but I mean a thing that you were doing. Yeah. I wanted to see what he thought of the curiosity box. So I downloaded yeah. it, watched his thing, didn't get it. And then, but I mean, everybody downloads Snapchat 
because it's about them at some point. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, I don't think very many people watch. Do they call them stories on Snapchat? Uh, I don't use it either. Probably snaps. snaps snappy chatties. I like, yeah. Chatters. <laughs> chat. <laughs> no, it truly, it's, it's one, it's one platform that I've just, uh, it's just missed me. You know, I, I'm, I'm not the most like visual guy anyway. So even Instagram is tough, but um, yeah, I imagine most of the things you see on Snapchat aren't like, explicitly about you or the things that you do. So no, right, right. <laughs> your, your one hour on Snapchat is <laughs> the most vain, like in terms of percent vanity. <laughs> well, I mean, it was about, it was about the, uh, my business. It wasn't about me per se. You know, I wanted to see how, how, uh, Hank liked <laughs> the curiosity box. It wasn't like, I was watching Hank watch my video. That would have been pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the other thing here is that it, Hank is is awesome. I mean, it's not like you were uh, watching something and focusing on you. Like watching uh, Hank do something for an hour is going to be fun and cool. Uh, so uh, that's not bad. But but no, I, I guess I guess um, well, we haven't ruled out premium Snapchat for the create unknown. So maybe that's something that we should start thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't we haven't ruled it out, but we haven't ruled it in either. It's <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> let's, it's definitely uh, wormhole time, isn't it? Yeah, let's go through the wormhole. We have some questions <laughs> from uh, from you guys, from our patrons that that we need to hit. What's the what's a teaser? What's a what are we gonna hit? What are we gonna hit? Um, let's see. There, uh, I'm trying to think of the specifics on this. Um, it may have been Jeff. It was either, uh, Jeff Davis or Andrew, uh, asked what your, uh, best, it was either best or earliest childhood memory was. And I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I kind of want the answer to this question. Oh, uh, so we got a, We got such... a couple about videos and then there are a couple that are like that. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm excited here in the, these questions are so good because I, I get to sit back and like be a creep as you answer some of these. Uh, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Cause I don't even know the answer to that one. So I'm going to have to think about it. I have the, <laughs> I have the worst memory. I don't remember <laughs> anything ever, ever, ever. So yeah, I'm going to have to try really hard to try to remember anything. So if you want to watch me struggle to remember, <laughs> then uh, join us over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown, where we will be doing that right now. For everybody else, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. There's more episode waiting for you, but to keep listening, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You could hear the rest of our conversation as well as unlock the ad-free feed, get exclusive content, join the Idea Baby Gang, and more. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. 
check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at Create Unknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at The Create Unknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at KevLieb and TaborTCU. Links in the show notes. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time, see ya, Space Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs>